Hey, this is your host, Jeremiah Latimo, and this is Gates of Perception. The totality of the universe is it's just perception. And uh, it's how we perceive things. And uh, there are no facts, only interpretations. Uh, the, the psychical events are facts, are realities. And when you observe the stream of images within, you observe an aspect of the world of the world within and so you see the man who is going by the external world by the influences of the external world say society or perceptions sense perceptions thinks that he he is more valid don't relate yourself to any person anything any idea tell me Hey, welcome. How are you doing? I hope you're doing well. I haven't released an episode in I think a couple of weeks now. Um, I have a bunch recorded, but I do not have the time to edit them. So if anyone knows or anyone is uh, an editor and edit podcasts for podcast hosts like myself, feel free to DM me because I I am realizing I don't have the time and capacity to go through these episodes and really edit them um, and release them as quickly as I would like to. So uh, side side note there. Um, but other than that, I want this episode to be a life update, uh, just like what's alive for me right now and what's going on with me. I find these episodes uh, kind of therapeutic for myself to kind of just share a little bit my about my story and my personal life. Uh, it helps me feel closer to the people that tune in um, and my community. And also I've had people respond to me from my last life update, or my first life update episode and shared with me how like deeply it resonated with their own uh, mind. That episode was around the messiness of my journey at the moment. <laughs> And there were so many people that had messaged me and told me about how that related to where they were at in their life. And, um, you know, it really, for me, receiving that really helps because I feel validated by that. I feel seen by other people feeling heard in my experience. And, um, and it lets me know why it's important to share. You know, it's important to share my story rather than kind of always dissecting things from a, an outside observer perspective. And actually, you know, sharing what that looks like for me in real time. So this episode, I think I'm going to title it um, Life Update, uh, Living with Trust Issues. So what's been a life for me? I think there's been a lot of cosmic shifts. I don't know if there's any astrologers tuning in right now, but there's been a lot of intense cosmic shifts and uh, a previous eclipse, I think a couple weeks ago and on the flower moon i think it was may 5th and a retrograde as well that i think is coming to a close in a few days and i don't buy into the retrograde thing but i definitely feel the intensity of these cosmic shifts and they've definitely been impacting me on a very deeply emotional and spiritual level and 
I'm also currently going through my Saturn return. And for me, that's significant because I, I equate a Saturn return to what people think happens to the brain when you turn 25. So people tell you that, oh, yeah, everything comes online, like the prefrontal cortex is finally fully developed and you're able to have this level of awareness that would be akin to a full grown ass adult once you hit 25. And there's no real science to actually support that based on what I've come to understand. But the Saturn return, like when Saturn whatever position Saturn was in when you were born after 28 years or 29 years, Saturn returns to that same position. So for mine, uh, I was born with Saturn and Pisces. So, you know, 28.5 years later, Saturn is back in Pisces. Um, and so this happens every 28.5 years. So I think when I'm 56 i will go through my second saturn return um i think my mom is actually going through hers because my mom had me when she was 28 and she recently just turned uh 57 i believe so i think i have to check her chart but i think me and hers me and her both have saturn and pisces so which i think is funny because i'm learning about the way in which we are impacted as children of our parents by the experiences they were going through at the time that they were our age so when my mom was 28 she was having her second child and I don't know too much about my father. He passed away very early, but I don't, I'm very curious. I've tried to open a conversation with my mom about it, um, but to find out what was going on with my father when he was 28, because these are like biological markers. And so through these experiences, there's something that turns on inside of the body. Those memories of hitting a certain point or having a certain phase of life or experiences that are reminiscent of an experience that one of my parents might have had. And so the way they move through that experience might echo inside of my body as my response to it, but it is just an echo. So if my mom during this time was deeply fucking stressed, overwhelmed, and started overworking, my body then goes into this state where I'm constantly stressed, overworking myself in ways that I never thought I would be doing. And it's just understanding that we, our, our parents are constantly transmitting through the genetics, through our biology, their own responses and reactions to different life experiences. And if those life experiences are reflected in our current experiences, then we might respond in a similar way. So I'll share a personal example of this. So right now I'm actually getting ready to like be a husband and to be a father. Like that's something that I finally embraced 
as something I'm ready to commit myself to, not just the idea of it, but like I'm finally ready to commit myself to fully. Not just talking about it because it's fun to talk about it or it's like the way you get a girl's heart to melt. It's like, no, like I, this is who I want to be. This is who I envision myself to be. So everything I've been doing lately, everything that I've been focusing around my development, around my, you know, my demeanor, the way I carry myself has been from the position of a father that I would be proud to be. And that brought up a lot of fucking shit. (laughs) I didn't even know. So the moment I started to do that, I noticed I actually started to push my partner away. Like I didn't want to get close to her anymore. What I mean by that was that I started to do all of these things where I was like, magnifying certain negatives about us and our relationship. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And it was so confusing to me because I was super, I was, I, I'd been in this state where I was just like cultivating these, what I would f- see as like fatherly qualities, uh, these, these aspects and attributes of a great father and husband. And it brought me to this place where I was just confused. I was like, what is going on? I'm having like a very... Uh, what I would say is like a like a trauma response right now, but it was just showing up energetically. It was showing up emotionally, and I was so confused. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" And when I started going into some level of self inquiry, like, "What's going on with me? Why is this happening right now?" And I stopped looking at my personal life. And then I was like, maybe I should look at my ancestors' lives. And so really quick, I have had a knee injury on my left knee. I broke my, I I think I tore my meniscus, uh, I think when I was like 21. And that left knee is my weakest, like it's my weakest side. And so what happens is this side of my leg is like very, it carries the rest of my body most often uh, is what my chiropractor told me. So I've been developing it and I've been strengthening it so it can stand equally uh, as strong as my right leg. And that's important because what has happened within my ancestral line is that on both sides of my family, on my mother's side and my father's side. So on my mother's side, my grandfather, her father passed away. And what happened was my mom's mom, my grandmother was left with all of her kids and had to take care of everyone. And I don't know at what age she passed away, but my mom was relatively young when he did and my grandmother had to go into this very i would believe is kind of this masculine state where she's the provider she's the protector she's doing all of the things and she's filling the role that he would have filled when he you know if he was alive and the same thing happened on my father's side so my father's father died when he was, I don't know what age, but he ended up leaving my grandmother 
with a bunch of kids. They had a lot of kids. They had a, about like 11 or 12 kids. And each of them were, you know, left with my mom, my, with my grandmother. And so she embodied the role of the father and took care of them and was the protector, all of these things. And um, neither of them ever remarried. They didn't, you know, remarry or anything. So they just embraced this role. And with my mom, my father passed away when I was really young. And so she was left with four kids. And, you know, she ended up remarrying. But there's this, if you, there's this, I don't want to call it a, but there's something happening where the father, the masculine, I wouldn't call it abandonment, but they're no longer present. And the mother, the feminine, has to embody the role of the masculine, has to take on these aspects. And so why I shared with my knee is that I recognized that that had also echoed inside of my body. So my left knee is very weak. And so my left side is my feminine side. So for me, I saw this kind of like as an echo that was showing how unsupported my the matriarchal lineage of my family has been throughout the last, um, you know, three, four generations. And so I really have taken it upon myself to develop, you know, myself in such a in such a way that will I feel support the mothers of my mothers and feeling supported, uh, feeling seen, feeling taken care of in the ways that, you know, maybe my, the fathers of my fathers weren't able to. So fast forward, right? Now I'm considering being a father, being married, and I'm excited about it. I'm, you know, exuberant, all of these things. I immediately was like, wait a minute, my fears around this are being echoed by my grandparents. So like I shared earlier, marriage, being a husband, all of those things from the perspective of my grandparents led to a lot of pain. And so one of the biggest fears that I had coming up for me was like, I'm going to fail my partner. Something's going to happen where I'm just going to fail. Like, I'm just going to drop the ball like hard as fuck. And I was like, what is this pending fear that I have? Or I'm just going to fail. I'm just going to, everything's just going to collapse. And I'm just going to be the biggest disappointment ever. And I was like, how is that even possible? Like, why am I, why is my mind going there? And then, so when I looked at it from the ancestral sphere i was like wait there's possibly an echo happening here because the moment because marriage and family from my grandparents even my own mother all of that equated to a lot of abandonment and a lot of disappointment from the masculine so i can't help but to feel the pain of my grandmothers inside of my body you know and um and the disappointment as well, even the heartache and the 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 the, the pain associated with that. So uh, I say all that to say is in my own life right now, what's alive for me is 
that piece that I just shared. And what that's brought me to is finding the courage to lean into love, connection, relationships, and community, despite all of these things that are being activated right now. And that's really hard for me because even now I'm in Bariloche um, in Argentina and I'm tucked away in the mountains. Like I'm very secluded. Um, There's, you know, there's neighbors around me, but the next town or village over isn't for another 20 minute drive. And so I'm very tucked away here. And while I'm here, I don't go out. I just meditate. I work. I dance, I play and, you know, I do my own thing, but I don't go out. You know, I walk around, I go outside, I, you know, get some fresh air every now and then, but I'm not going into the towns. I'm not engaging with the people. I'm just very to myself. And I see this as two things. I feel like I'm a hermit by nature. And the other thing is this is also a survival strategy this is also kind of a trauma response in a way and um it's because i never felt safe in connection like i really haven't developed a way to feel safe while being connected to people so my way of relating to the unsafety of connection is to be with myself um so as a young child i was always by myself i have seven siblings, uh, six siblings. And I always spent time alone. Despite having all of this, you know, community and tribe, I always was with myself. You know, I would spend hours in my room by myself. And I found so much safety in that. And I met so many characters of myself and I made so many friends. I remember as a child, having such a vivid imagination and also a lot of uh, spiritual abilities at a very young age where I could see certain things. Um, I could speak to certain beings, but I could see reality in a certain way at a very young age. And that helped me feel safe because I never really felt alone. Like I was always engaging with something. It never felt like I was just me here. So if it was my imagination that was accompanying me or it was the energies that was present or the characters I was relating to from the anime or the cartoons I was watching, all of it kept me company. And so even while I'm here now, I don't feel alone. I'm engaging with so much. I'm interacting with so much. And I love that. I think it's cool. I think it's beautiful. I think, you know, I love that part of myself. And I know my healing and my growth is going to be in developing the ability to lean into connection, to lean into support, to lean into community. And that is something that I'm now just allowing myself to experience more and more and more. I think I just give myself little bits of it every now and then. I'm like, all right, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But it's like going fully in, you know, embracing it fully. Um, Especially with men, I noticed that throughout my life, my partners made me aware of this. 
I didn't realize how much like trauma I've experienced throughout my life. I think I've belittled it or diminished it or maybe, you know, made light of it because there's so many things normalized within my culture. Um, as an African child, there are so many ways of correcting, punishing, disciplining, and raising children that is very normalized and accepted throughout you know, my culture and my family that I didn't register it as abuse. I didn't register it as wrong. I didn't register it as um, trauma even, you know, um, for a long time. And my partner kind of made me aware of like, nah, bro, like you, they did a number on you. And that has helped me kind of make sense of my distrust in humans and my distrust of connection and my inability to feel safe around you know people that want to feel closer to me that want more of my time energy and attention that shit just pushes me away um and you know even to the point my my partner was like nah you're not like a you're not like an avoidant you're like a fearful disorganized the fearful disorganized attachment style like that's mine and i was like holy fuck and i looked through the I looked through the description. I was like, yo, that's me. And I was like, damn, I thought I was just like, all right, cool. Like I'm avoiding, but it's like, nah, bro, you got the fearful, disorganized, you know, avoidant plus anxious. Like you got all of it, bro. Packed into one. I was like, fuck. <laughs> so this has helped because I'm not, I'm not beating myself about it. I, I just feel more equipped to understand how I relate to the world. Um, and, you know, and it, it makes sense, you know, when I think about some of my life experiences, they make sense. I think I've made light of them throughout my life, but they make sense. And, um, even my relationship with men is just something that has always been an avoidant relationship. You know, I keep men in my life at a distance and, you know, I recall like as a young kid, my relationship with the men in my life was always one that was kind of had this theme of humiliation attached to it. Um, when I was very young, before before fifth grade, I was always bullied to some extent by the guys in my school, um, humiliated. And all these guys, like, you know, kind of carried themselves on as if they were my friends. But when girls came around, it was like, all right, we're gonna, we're gonna use Jeremiah to kind of, you know, look cool. Or we were alone, you know, it was just me and them, uh, just all these opportunities for, you know, humiliation that were these, these, these guys were, you know, you using or exercising or whatever it is. And after that point, you know, I ended up becoming somebody that would never experience that again. Um, so a lot of self-betrayal happened from kind of these experiences very early on, but all of that created something in me that distrusts humans, like literally just distrust humans. Like I just don't trust people have 
good intentions. I just don't trust that people have my best interest at heart. And it's so hard for me to fathom that at times. And so where I am right now in my life is developing the capacity to, you know, trust humans. I'm saying that as if I'm not human, like I'm a fucking pigeon or something in the streets of New York <laughs> or, um, you know, a stray cat. But I mean, that's what it feels like. You know, I feel like I understand the distrust that animals have towards humans. Like I relate to it so much. I actually trust non-humans more than I trust humans. Like that's how it is. Like when I go into my spiritual experiences and I go off into a world, I engage with non-humans and I more to trust them, to listen to them, to open to up to them than I am with humans. Like these are non like physical embodied beings that, you know, come from a different world that come from a different plane and I'm interacting with them, but I find myself feeling more safer with them than humans. You know, when I engage with flowers and I engage with trees, when I engage with animals, I feel more trusting there than with humans. And I, I love that part of myself but I want to change that as well. You know, I want to uh, be able to, to trust humans and trust that connection is safe in that way. So um, that's what's alive for me this week was just realizing all the ways in which I do, you know, push people away still today. You know, I think I, I've gotten better at it. I got in a better grip on it, but I know that there is definitely room to grow. And so what's alive for me right now is just developing the capacity to trust people, you know, and I think it's just not beyond, okay, this person is a good person. Like, I think I have the capacity to see people as good people. I think for me, it's when people, people's flaws and imperfections show up. I don't know how to hold those flaws and imperfections without assuming those flaws and imperfections are now going to be uh, this person's flaws and imperfections are going to be the thing that leads me to regret connecting to them, you know, and, um, and that's hard. It's really hard because I'm realizing that as a child, my parents didn't really hold my flaws and imperfections and my mistakes with reverence, understanding, compassion, and empathy. And because I was never given that experience, I have no reference point for it outside of myself, but I never experienced it. So it's very hard for me to even locate or localize, how could I give that to somebody else when my whole life I was deprived of it? I don't even know what that looks like. And so it's, it's, a, it's, it's an odd place to be. And I feel like it's another one of those points in my life where I'm looking for guidance, but I might not find that guidance because I'm the one that's supposed to be guiding. And it's a it's an interesting place to be. So right now I'm just navigating, trying to hold 
the disappointment that comes with relating to humans. You know, you're going to be disappointed to hold that with understanding, compassion and empathy and the understanding that people are going to make mistakes and that you can love them through their mistakes and their mistakes are an opportunity for them to grow and they need to make mistakes in order to grow. And being able to give that to myself, I realized that it doesn't instantly mean that I can give that to other people because I noticed with myself, I'm stuck with this guy forever. Like this is me and him, like me and me, like we're, we're, we're in this for forever. There's no, I can't quit on this dude. So I have to love him through this. I have to embrace his mistakes. I have to regulate through being disappointed in myself. But with people, it's like, I don't, I don't, I'm not bonded to you. I don't have to be with you forever. Like we can end this friendship today. And so the realization of that for me has made it harder to look at people and say like, oh, you fucked up. Cool. Like, I'm going to be upset about it, but you know, you still my dog. Like, it's all right. You know, it's hard for me to do that. And I think I realized because I realized in connection, I don't have, I can turn this thing off. You know, I can turn it off. But with me, I, my relationship with myself, I can't turn that off. So it's, um, it's interesting uh, to navigate that, knowing that a lot of the inability or incapacity that I sense from it is also a doorway to some level of grief. You know, the more I acknowledge that my inability to give that to others is also because I was never given that experience brings me to a lot of grief, you know, over my childhood. And um, I think that's a gift. You know, I think that's a gift. And uh, I can't help but to recognize that my inner child might possibly be also resentful as well towards the people I give that to because he was never given that. So it's like my adult self is giving that to others. And even though I'm giving it to him, he's like, we never experienced that from anyone else though. Nobody came and gave us that kind of experience. And so it's like, there's like some residue of resentment. I feel like when we are loving people in the way that we weren't loved, there's a part of us that might feel resentful towards the person that we're loving. You know, like we, like I just imagine just looking at the inner child, like as a child relating to another child inside of another adult. And it's like, wait, my like, my adult self is giving you all this love and care. And it's like, I never got that shit. Like there's some kind of jealousy there. You know, there's some kind of envy there is how I'm picturing it when I just see these two kids relating, you know? And yeah, I think that sometimes my, personally speaking, might push me away from, you know, even pouring that into other people. But I think that's also why the importance of having connections that also pour into you that way is very, very, very important. Because if that experience is one-sided, then yeah, the resentment is definitely going to stack on. The resentment is definitely going to be there. Uh, but I think if it's reciprocal, then I think the 
the responses and the reactions to that can definitely be regulated through um, and sued through. So that's an update with me um, just navigating this terrain of trust and, you know, living with these trust issues and learning how to uh, be more open to connection, be more open to community and things like that. And not always buy into this idea that I'm a, I'm a hermit. Um, I always say that my partner helps me romanticize life because when she's not here, I'm like, I eat the same meal every day. I eat one meal a day. I only go outside to walk and talk and connect with the trees and nature. And then I just work. That's it. But when I'm around her, I'm like <laughs> planning trips here, planning trips there. I'm making extravagant meals every night. There's so many different things happening that would not ap- not at all be happening if she wasn't there. So, um, <laughs> so I think there's a deep importance for me to be able to um, also continue to embrace connection because it brings more beauty into my life. You know, I think the welcoming, I I welcome the experience of beauty more when I'm in connection. I allow myself to like indulge in it. And um, so, yeah, maybe some guys listening can relate to as well. Um, (laughs) Maybe it's just you're just at the gym, you work, you eat and that's it. But when you get in a partnership, you're doing all this other shit. And it's like, I think that's the beauty of relating to the feminine as well is that they're so connected to beauty. They're so, you know, uh, they're all often romanticizing life that it connects us to that place that is also capable of doing that as well. Um, so thank you guys for listening, tuning in on my little life update. Um, hoping to make more of these in the future. Um, but lastly, I want to share that I receive a lot of DMs. And in those DMs, people are sharing with me their challenges, their stories, and, you know, looking for my advice or insight. And to be honest, I get so many of these a day that I have definitely dedicated myself to responding to at least two or three a week. But I'm telling you, these are long paragraphs. These are, I even receive a like maybe seven, eight voice messages. And some people expect for me to have the time to listen to them. And I want to. And I remember when I first made my page, I was telling my partner, I was like, man, I'm going to, I'm going to be responding to everybody. I'm going to be taking time to, you know, share and, you know, uh, pour into anybody that, you know, sends me a message. And um, that was always my biggest thing. I was like, I'm only doing the things that I'm doing and I'm capable of, having the platform I have because of the people that support me. So I was like, I'm always going to be able to do that. And, you know, a hundred thousand followers later, it's like, Oh my God. Okay. Now this is, this is a lot. So I still want to be able to do that. So what I want to do is that everyone that posts a review for my podcast, share it with me, screenshot the review and then send it to me via Instagram, via Twitter, and then attach to your review your question, your challenge, or something you would like guidance and support on. And in the next podcast episode, I'll select somebody 
and I'll dedicate a podcast episode to the challenge, to the question, and unpack it and expound on it as deeply as I can throughout that episode. So just to recap, post your review of the podcast, sharing how it's impacted your life or you know what you love about it or why you keep tuning in. And screenshot that and send it to me via Instagram DM. And then from there, share with me what your question or what your challenge is. So I'm going to do that every two weeks, guys. So I'm excited and see how this goes. Um, This is the first time I'm doing this. So let's see where it goes. I'm looking forward to your DMs and also your reviews as well. So with that, guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in if you made it this far. I want to wish you a beautiful day and a beautiful evening. Thank you again for joining me for this episode today. I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.